0: Hey guys, Ryan Dement from Chasing Happiness Podcast. Hope you guys are having a great day. Today on the podcast, we have Sam Wilson. He's the founder of Brick and Investment Group. He's got a lot of stuff going on. He's got his own podcast, but he's got a diverse background in something I really like is real estate. So we're going to talk about that and a few other topics with Sam. So Sam, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, th- thank you, Ryan, for having me. I certainly appreciate it. It's great to be here.
0: You're more than welcome. Thank you for the wait. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Our little bit of a a pre-call and talk was already interactive already, and I can tell this is going to be an exciting conversation. So let's jump in. Who is Sam Wilson?
1: Man, who is Sam? I don't know. It's like when people ask you, what do you want to be when you grow up? I'm like, I don't know. I'll figure it out one of these days. But who am I? I'm a guy that... Brian, can you still hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Hey, for some reason, the, uh, the screen here kicked off on your end, so I can't see anymore, but that's all right. I'm a guy that came, I grew up in the Midwest, grew up pretty poor, uh, but I had the important things in life. I had a great family. We had a great work ethic and we didn't take handouts. And it's one of those things that I would not trade that upbringing for anything. And to this day, I wouldn't trade it for anything. I got five siblings. Like I said, big family, no money. And uh, no nobody was really highly educated. Actually, me, my siblings and I were some of the first to go to college in our family, I look back at my grandfather, I think he, gra- he graduated from sixth grade. And then wow. you know, my parents were not college educated, and but we did have, like I said, a work ethic and a great family. And so just grew up working with my hands, working in the trades, working hard. And that's what I knew until the age of about 30. We owned our own businesses uh, just because that's what we knew to do was to go out and work. And then grew our own businesses and upselling a company off and uh, fell next into real estate. But that was, gosh, 11 years ago now. So- Won't go too much into all those rabbit holes, but that really brings me to today. It's just a hardworking guy. I live in Memphis, Tennessee now. My wife, three kids. Yeah, I can't complain. Life has been really good to me, and it's something I don't take for granted.
0: So I love the background and where you're coming from, and that's just a solid base to work with. How was that growing up when you have that big of a family, and as you said, you didn't have a lot of money? How did you... I call it shucking and jiving in life because that's really what you want to do. And it, it, and it sets you probably up very well to be an entrepreneur because that's what we have to do. How did that play into what you're doing today?
1: Man, it's, it has its blessings and its curses. I will say that. Growing up, it was funny. I was talking, my wife and I were writing today's newsletter for the and Investor Club. And it was like, she's like, hey, when did you start your entrepreneurial journey? Because my wife is also my editor for that newsletter, for those of you who do <laughs> not know my secret sauce. And I said, yeah, she said five. I said, no, it's probably about seven. Because we learned how to save money and I'd count my quarters, my nickels, and I'd stack them all up. But my older brother was not that great with money. And so in first grade, I became his financier. I would finance the the boxes of candy. He would take it to school and sell it to his his (laughs) second grade classmates. And we would split the profits. That's where I started. And that's fine and all. I have cut up pallets in my life and sold them roadside. We used to pull catalpa worms off the trees and sell them. Hey, it was back in the eighties, early eighties. Hey, catalpa (laughs) worms for sale, 25 cents a dozen man, we would pick up hubcaps in the uh, in the ditches and chain them up to the, uh, the pillar at the end of the driveway and sell them for five bucks a piece because people would hit potholes and their hubcaps would come off. So a lot of those things are great, but they're not scalable. And they are also one of the things that that I'm really uh, trying to get away from right now in my life, which is trading time for money. It's mm. something that you can, that hustle will only take you so far. And, yes. it, and I, I wouldn't, tra- again, I wouldn't trade that base but it's also something that's deeply ingrained in who I am, that I have to fight it at times where it's the whole idea delegate to elevate that works to a degree. And then there's also times where it's, yeah, this is categorically a horrible use of my time, but for some reason I keep finding myself doing it. So (laughs) it's, yeah, I I would say, so yes, it set me up very well, but also comes uh, every blessing has its curses. So that's what I think about that.
0: So Right into it, trading time in, in really balancing that out. When you first started, what was, okay, after you're growing up, you're doing your first entrepreneurial deal with your brother, where did things progress? Cause I'm going to go back to time, but I wanted to see you're, you're doing that. But what was the next leap off point for you in that journey?
1: It's a great question. So I luckily had, I have an older brother. That's he's my oldest brother. There's five, five boys and one girl. And my oldest brother's twelve years older than me, but he and I were always really close. We just had similar ways of thinking and interest, and some. And we're all very close, but he and I were very much alike. And so I began working with him right out of high school. He Ooh. owned a flooring company. I went to work for him. I was out sanding hardwood floors, you know, installing hardwood floors, doing all that for a couple of years. And he said, "Hey, man, let's open a retail store. We'll open a flooring company." And of not flooring, we already had a flooring company, we're going to take it to the next level and open a retail store. That business exploded. It, I mean, we quadrupled <laughs> in size in one year. And so here I am now at the age of 21 telling guys twice my age what to do. We couldn't hire fast enough. Of course, this was in 03, which everybody knows the progression of the yeah. economy. 03 <laughs> was great, man. We were running hot and heavy. 04, we got 30-something guys working for us. We got crews just running everywhere. It was crazy. It's also when I went bald. I literally lost, for those of you who are watching, I can grow a heck of a beard, but I couldn't grow head hair if I tried. I lost all my hair at age 23 in that business. Just in one year, it all fell out from stress and never wow. came back. Yeah, it's great. We were working crazy. I remember sleeping in my office at night. You just like, hey, whatever, we'll just work till midnight, sleep till five and get up, put the coffee pot on and go back to it. Because crews are showing up at six to get loaded up and out of the door. Man, again, going back to trading time for money, but we built that business up and about to age 25, there was a side of that business that wasn't very well run. We said, hey, Sam, why don't you buy that out? Buy it my brother. I'll take that, run it as my own company. I mean, it was, it was all a good thing for everybody. So I bought that at 25 and then the 08 happened. Shortly a year after I bought that business, 08 happened, everything, the, wheel, the, the world stopped. We went from 30 guys down to one had to put my work boots back on and my jeans back on and go back out in the field and figure out traded in my dress clothes again or for work clothes and it it was just fine it's it it was fine it got us through but uh, yeah so I ran that company until I was 30 and then had built that business back up and sold it in 2012 for a nice profit at the time and uh, yeah moved on from the flooring business
0: oh wow that's I can still remember the day I was living in Vegas at the time when all that happened and it started myself on a a different journey. I was like, I was living on the West side of the Valley and all these houses were being foreclosed on and they were just sitting there empty. And these people were ransacking them for their copper and everything else. And I'm like, who the hell's controlling all this? Where's that all going? And out of dumb luck, I was walking by a house and there was a guy that at the time was a realtor, but he was into mortgages. And I'm like, You're a realtor that's into mortgages. Tell me more. He goes, do you know what defaulted mortgages are? I'm like, yeah, I'm in collections. I do all that type of stuff. It's defaulted. It hasn't, it's gone. It hasn't been paid. He goes, no, it's even bigger. And then he starts talking about mortgage-backed securities, default swaps. And I'm like, it's all over my head at that time. And I'm like, sign me up. Mm -hmm. I I, want to figure that out. And that kind of just started a whole process of buying defaulted mortgages for pennies on the dollar and trying to figure out what you could actually do with them. But that was that turning point of, how do I describe that? It was like my aha moment that I could do something more than what I was doing. Because I was in corporate America, running call Mm. center, collection agencies, underwriting stuff, whatever. And I knew I had to get out and do something different. But relating back to that was, you had that aha moment and, and you were able to come back into that world. And how he started me, we went door knocking. And I was like, oh my God, I'm, I'm back to my teenage years because I right. started in door knocking for payday loans and I was knocking on people's door when they were past due. I'm like, this brings me back because these people were already had the less pendants. They were already going through the foreclosure process. They didn't want to talk to anybody. But then once we had a conversation with them, there was a whole different perspective to bring to them that we could potentially help them. That's when I learned what a a workout was, interest only. There were so many things you could do, but I felt like I was going back in time. And it just changed my life about, again, connecting with people. And we're going to go through that. Sorry, long-winded, but it's just, you, you spurred a lot of things out of that conversation of that. In our journey, we find these moments that we can basically bounce off of and springboard forward. You had one of those and you were able to put that back on and change that. And I'm guessing your next jump was even bigger. So where does that take you?
1: Yeah. So we sold that company in 2012. And as you can imagine, now that my kind of family's educational background, our upbringing, what I've done professionally, I'm 30, I'm a male with no work experience outside of working for myself and for my brother. Guess what that makes me?
0: Unemployable. Categorically. Yes. Yes.
1: Unemployable. Like I couldn't get a, I could get a job at Wendy's or Lowe's or somewhere (laughs) like that, which is fine. Those jobs are good. There's nothing wrong with it. But you know, again, going back to the trading time for money, I already understood how to run a business. I already understood how to employ people. And I was like, you know what? I I just, I can't get a job somewhere. I'd had no idea, but I also had, I lacked a skill set. I will say that too, other than working in the trades and knowing the trades. And I, And not again, I still work the trades every day. Shoot, I was meeting with crews at one of our job sites this morning. Still, and I I really highly respect the people that work hard in the trades. But it's also one of those things where I knew I was smarter, or I wanted to at least think I was smarter than, (laughs) you know, what my brain was getting used for. And so it's, okay, there's more out here to do. I just didn't know what it was. So I floundered. So now I have the two things that most people want in life, which is I had money in the bank, more money than I had ever had before in my life. And I had time on my hands, which for me, coming from the the poor man's background, was just panic. I panicked that year. It was the worst year of my life. It was 2012 going to 2013 because I didn't know what to do next. I'm now freshly married. I'm like, oh, crud. Like I've got to have that that starvation (laughs) mentality. Like I've got to keep storing more food because there's more money because if I'm not, then we're all going to go broke. And if we go broke and go back to my childhood, no, we don't. we couldn't afford squat. I knew in third grade when I got a box of hand-me-down underwear from the neighbor that had streaks in it that I'm like, you know what? We're poor, but I'm not this poor. I was so mad. I was still mad about it probably. <laughs> so I just didn't want to go back to that, right? So you have those kind of visceral feelings. It's unemployable, so I spent a year floundering. I tried everything. I, we won't go into all those rabbit holes, but I just kept trying stuff because I had money and time, which was stupid. I should have just relaxed. I should have <laughs> said, all right. Slow down, slow down, dude. We're going to methodically think through this. We'll make a next step that makes sense. Enjoy the time with your wife. You got, you could have lived for several years and not worked. Just slow down. That's what I, and that's where I wound up in 2020 because we up wound up with a similar scenario where the business we were in just went, just dried up completely. I just clicked at my wife. I'm like, we got money and time. It's okay. I've been here before. Chill out. But that said, I always I, I say it was the good Lord have mercy on an idiot. Knowing, knowing the trades, I started looking at, like you, looking at foreclosures. They, there was, I was in a little town in middle Tennessee, and one day I was just looking at foreclosure auctions. I saw a house coming up, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, oh, that's today. Oh, that's in two hours. So I drove around the corner. I found my way into the house because it was vacant and knee-deep in trash. I walked through it, and I'm having a background on the trades, and I'm like, oh, this is a great buy. So I went to the auction, and two hours later, I owned a house. We made a pile of money on that house. And I said, shoot, if we did it once, do it again. And so we just kept doing it. And of course that's been 11 years now of every iteration in the real estate space, I think a person could go through that I've tried. And that's what brings us really to today is we're strictly focused on commercial real estates and very specific asset classes right now. But yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride in the real estate business. And I have really no intent of ever kind of looking elsewhere. I think this is what I'm gonna do for the, for the duration.